Hi, this is Lacey from Bourbon House, and you're watching CMS TV. Today. Always carry Christmas, the holidays in your heart, year round. It can be Easter, April Fool's Day, July 4th. This song should always ring true. Fuck you, it's Christmas. I hate your shiny lights. Fuck you, it's Christmas. You're shopping and your fights with your frosty and Rudolph in silver and gold. Sweet little stories all told by the old. Your dancer and prancer in balls hung with care. was a happy little number huh <laughs> no, nothing if not festive that's right well jo joining us now here on chris aiken presents uh is the one and only jason beeler here to talk about jason beeler and the baron von bielski orchestra with postcards from the asylum so jason welcome to chris aiken presents hey thanks so much for having me Dude, great to have you man i am a i am a fan it's the weirdest thing for me personally never really was the biggest saigon kick guy you know i just i think me, you guys me neither <laughs> sure you weren't <laughs> but i definitely love what you're doing now i love this this i'm gonna call it hybrid music because i don't know how to really explain it you know i mean some of it is definitely rock some is metal some almost feels a little jazzy you know talk a little bit let's start there man talk a little bit about where, what you're trying to do musically now, you know, versus the old days when you were kind of locked into a box with Saigon Kick. I think, you know, I'm, I'm just really in the business of amusing myself at this point. Okay. Uh, I do whatever. I've always grown up loving music. So, I mean, whether it was jazz, Meshuggah, Barry Manilow, Lizzo, like I, I just like what I like. So, you know, everyone always asks, like, what's your guilty pleasure? I'm like, I don't have it. If I like it, I like it. <laughs> You know, right. Um, so I was always into doing diverse stuff. And, and I think the bands I grew up maybe having an affinity for, you know, like Queen or the Beatles or Bowie or, you know, those were always really adventurous kind of records. You know, I mean, they always went in different directions. And, um, and I think the kind of fun part of getting older is, you know, you, you have less and less worries about what anybody's thinking. Sure about you specifically first of all most people aren't thinking about you but it, you know you're not concerned about like oh is this going to be cool or is this you know I, I just really make music that kind of i want to make and the only thing that's important to me is that it comes from a place 
of, uh, you know, like I'm interested. I really want to do that. Not like, oh, if I do this, it's going to appeal to this group of people or that group of sure. people. So that that's kind of where my head's at. Sure. Is it, is it difficult with that stance to deal with the commercial side of it? Because you and I both know when you when you it's one thing to write music and record music that you want to do it's a whole nother thing to get a record company to say okay well here's the advance and here's the studio and we're going to do three videos and we're going to do bop, 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 you know all the the businessy right. side to it it's harder to get them to convinced con convinced to come on board without them saying well we want 10 songs we want two ballads we want you, you know they want the yeah. formula i mean i think even back in the day the saigon kick records you know, obviously the, the ballad was this monstrous kind of driver hit thing, but sure. anybody who was a fan of the band kind of saw the records were really, you know, we, we horrified a lot of soccer moms who bought it for the, you know, the love's band. on the way. Yeah. Right. You know, so, um, but um, I've been just so fortunate, like at this point, you know, I mean, I, I ran a label in a studio for a long time. I don't need to convince anybody, you know, I, I mean, I'm not in that world anymore where I have to worry about convincing a label to, you know, buy into what I'm doing or not buy into it. I just, you know, it's, it's not a factor. I mean, it's, it's, I like, work. I'm not like a bitter guy who like hates labels. I mean, I think they're awesome. Sure. I still got friends that work everywhere. I'm just lucky enough that I can do what I want when I want. So can you catch me up? How are you doing, man? I'm Eric. Eric, nice to meet you. Jason. Pleasure to meet you. As a, a kid who totally remembers love is on the way, like catch me up to what happened with the band. Like, it was the 90s right when that when yeah our first record came out in 91 we did a lot of amazing touring early on when I mean, we played with the ramones played with ozzy played with cheap trick um and we kind of got I, I would guess we kind of got caught right in between like when you know the, the hair metal movement kind of was ending and and we were right. hated by all those bands and then we had a massive ballad hit. So that meant we were automatically going to be hated by all the new grunge bands. Uh, right. <laughs> so we kind of went right down the middle. But I think, you know, you could make an argument that Extreme was kind of in a I was just going to say Extreme. Yeah. Right. And right King's X, I think, got caught in the middle mm -hmm. of that too. Another great band that, you know, didn't really fit necessarily in the, in the, and I don't say hair metal in a derogatory sense. I just mean whatever that was of the time. It didn't sure. fit there and it, and it didn't fit with the Nirvana. Kind they of, played it in grocery stores, both those songs, your song, extreme song. You'd be like in the grocery store. And they were going I mean, back to why I can do whatever I want when I want. That's right. <laughs> right. Damn right. <laughs> you know, the interesting thing too, Jason is at the time, those bands that you're talking about, especially the grunge bands distanced themselves. But if I'm not mistaken, some of those big, big grunge bands have cited Saigon kick as a, as an influence. I, I know distinctly. I remember hearing Allison chains, you know, Lane yeah, Staley look, saying I mean, they loved what you did. We came from Florida, so we weren't part of like a scene. Right. So we didn't know any better. Like, you know, even, you know, even the Mighty Pantera was a glam band. Sure. Uh, you know, and, and Alice in Chains was a glam band. And, you know, a, a lot of those bands came from that scene. They were just smart enough to see the turn happening and going like, okay, we just got to disassociate from all that as to where we were kind of like, you know, oh, we'll tour with the Ramones, but we also would tour with Rat. Like, I didn't care. I just wanted to tour and play. And we weren't thinking in that marketing sense of like, like oh, association with this or that. And we had a ballad on the first record. You know, it didn't become a hit, but we didn't really change anything we were doing sure. like, to have it. It just kind of happened. And we didn't even release Love is on the Way as a single. A station started playing it kind of on their own. Um, and it just, you know, it blew up.
So right you know, it was a, uh, I like to think that we were the last ballad. We kind of killed off hair metal at that point. <laughs> if it weren't for us, grunge would have never happened. There you go. <laughs> You'll take all that credit, I'll right? Take all the credit. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, well, Jason, you know, um, as a guitar player and, and Eric, Eric is a guitar player. He plays with Stephen Piercy. So, awesome. so, I'm oh, curious I for just brought up rats. Yeah, there you go. Steven, I said, hey. Yeah, I will <laughs> tell him. Thank you. So for you, you know, once once Saigon Kick had kind of run its course, we've seen a lot of the guys like yourself that that can really play guitar that went on to be kind of like the second and third tier guys for the reworked warrant or the reworked rat or the reworked docket or whatever. I don't ever recall seeing you do that ever. Did you just not want to do that or just didn't put yourself in that circle or what? I mean, as much as I'd like to boldly say, you know, I had a stance of being a raging individual. Uh, I, I don't think I was on that short list of people to call. I mean, I think I just, I just do what I do kind of, and I've always kind of played with my own toys and made my own world. And so I don't think when people think of like, you know, getting a guy to come in and, fill the shoes of a, you know, like someone like Warren D. Martini or something who's, you know, as good as it gets. You know, I, I just don't think I was in that. World. And I also didn't live in L.A. I didn't okay. live in Nashville. I didn't live in New York. Um, I, I wouldn't say I'm antisocial, but I just kind of lived in my own world. So I was never networking. Like, I don't know anybody. Okay. <laughs> L.A. sucks, man. I you just know. had to spend a couple days in L.A. I fucking hate that place. But anyway, go on. But you know what I mean? Like, if you're not in the mix of everybody who's. Sure doing stuff you're not in the mix of that so i want to you know start in a label and, and work with a bunch of bands and was lucky enough to you know work with a band uh signed a band called non-point oh yeah yeah they were on my label skin dread from the uk uh was on my label uh carnival from australia is another amazing band that we worked with um you know uncle i mean I, I really had a great run of producing and working with a bunch of bands and the label became you know, pretty successful. So between producing and running the label, that kind of took up a lot of time. Sure. Um, and then once that kind of got where it was going, I just realized I hate all bands. I hate all musicians. I hate all <laughs> labels. I, you know, you know, I shouldn't say hate. I just realized like, I, I think I'm better off doing exactly what I want to do. Not right. trying to convince anybody else that it's right or wrong. That it, and, and knowing that it could be right and wrong. I just wanted to just do what I wanted to do selfishly and, and, and kind of do that. And um, that's kind of where the last couple of years, you know, has kind of come from the first record that came out like a year and a half ago. I had a bunch of my friends play on it. So I had like everybody from Bumblefoot, sure. Clint Lowry, Devin Townsend, Clay Cook from the Zach Brown band and Butch Walker. And, you know, the list goes on and on of people that I got to work with. And I was just super fortunate that it took, strangely enough, it got like embraced by the prog world. Right. Ne never even dawned on me like that they would embrace, but it was kind of cool because that crowd really had no idea of my past. So, right. I mean, granted, I wasn't in Metallica, so it's not like, you know, it was, it was surmountable. <laughs> you know, you're in Metallica, though, you're not going to be rediscovered. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? So, Saigon <laughs> Kick wasn't that big. Uh, <laughs> and so, a lot of people found the band, the new band, and, and I developed a whole new kind of, you know, second, you know, wind, wind here career wise. And it's, just been awesome sure now now let, let's dig into the new stuff jason you obviously just put out or just released the the ep i guess heathens mm -hmm. which is six songs that are from the forthcoming record postcards from the asylum 
And I've right. heard both, you know, which, you know, I've heard the whole thing. So I've got a pretty oh. good understanding of the, of what you're trying to do. And much like songs from the apocalypse, there's no real path in this thing. It's, it definitely winds all over the place musically for you. Do you write like that? Or do you, do you write all the time? So is that how you get different ideas and different song structuring is because you don't write all in one session? For me, I mean, music kind of comes to me in a, in one piece. Okay. So my biggest battle is just kind of getting it all down before I get distracted or, you know, anything happens. So it, it takes me, uh, that that's really the biggest focus. Even a lot of the lyrical content is all coming at once. Um, but I don't think about like, I mean, I just, you know, and I don't mean to mean to seem sappy about it, but I just love music. So okay. I'm just as happy listening to Miles Davis as I am listening sure. to, you know, the new Haken record to, you know, you know, any, the new extreme record, whatever. Like, I mean, I just, you know, when people do stuff at a high level, mm -hmm. every musician I know digs it, you know, for the most part, there's not sure. a lot of a, a, not a lot of people that won't, you know, musician wise that don't dig that. So, and I just pursue things that, you know, sonically kind of hit my ear and I'm like, Oh, I'm going, I'm going to pursue this and figure out where it leads kind of. Right on. Definitely. I think about it. Right. Now you mentioned, you mentioned a couple minutes ago that um, you on, on um, song on songs of from the apocalypse that you had a bunch of guests this time you have several guests as well, but it almost looks like, it, and again, this is outsiders, just a fan looking at the list of names. It Please. really looked like you went more to not as well-known guys, but maybe guys that you respected more as musicians. Like, you know, the guy from Spock's beard comes immediately to mind spock's beard right, right. you know yeah i mean was that the key this time was to find people that were more in your mind musically diverse or, or is it just it, who it, you it, called at this time it really well i mean marco miniman is one of the greatest drummers in the world he plays with uh you'll know guthrie govin i mean he's, he's in the aristocrats right right um, right so he's as terms of a drummer, he's he's got to be in the top ten. I've ever, I've never seen or heard anything like it. So sure. to get a chance to work with him was awesome. And uh, Todd Kearns is a buddy of mine, so I've known him for a long time. He's in Slash's band, Slash and the Conspirators, and, uh, right? Super super talented guy. And uh, we had become buddies, and it really winds up being one of these things like where I'll finish something and be like, I should call Todd, and you know I'll send him a song and he'll be like, oh let's do that and. Uh, Rio from Spock's Beard, I, I knew because Jonathan Mover, who used to play drums for Satriani and, you know, all the, he called me up to do this prog thing he was doing and Rio was the keyboard player. So I met Rio from that. And then, you know, as soon as I was like, you know, I can kind of play primitive piano, I, you know, the ham fist piano stuff, but I was sure. like, this might be cool if I got someone who can really play, you know, Hammond and, and uh, so I called Rio and, uh, and Andy Blacksugar, who plays guitar on a lot of the stuff with me. I can't speak highly enough of him as a guitar player. I mean, he plays, he's played with everybody from Peter Murphy to KMFDM. He's Blondie's uh, go-to touring guitar player right now. And he's one of the few guys I know that like, especially in the guitar world, there's like guys who shred or there's guys who are kind of like song sound guys that can do really cool parts. There's sure. very few guys that like, if you talk to Andy about doing an Ingve riff, he's on it. 
If you said do an ambient Brian Eno thing, he's on it. Like he just, again, he's a music guy. So he does the coolest things and he's been really a, a huge part of the music. And, and a I unicorn. the same drummer from the last record called uh, Edu Cominado from Brazil, who's another phenomenal talent. I've just been so lucky, I mean, to work with some really brilliant people. Sure. No, it, and, and it, it shines through because it is so musical. If you listen, especially listening it's one thing to listen to the EP, but it's, it's a whole nother. It's a, it's a weird thing with your music at, at least the new record to me, listening to the EP is a totally different listening experience from listening to the whole album because the whole album has so many more hard turns where I right. think the EP is a little more consistent, I guess. Is that sort of play the way you yeah, think I mean, or no? It's, it's funny because the first record is a double record. The second record is right. the double record. And I know most people don't listen that way anymore, you know. So the the record was the, the the full experience of the record is kind of geared towards someone who wants to put headphones on, mm -hmm. listen for the ambient stuff that's going on, listen for the different panning and where things are at. And at the same time, I didn't want to make a record that could only be understood that way. You know what I mean? Like I, I, there, are, even myself, records I want to hear, I have a hard time sitting down for an hour to just uninterrupted sure. listen to a record like that anymore just our lifestyle isn't so you know I, I i wanted the songs to stand on their own and then for for those people who want to open up a double record and like i did when i was a kid and read through all the insanity of the credits and you know and hear all the stuff that's going on it, it was that experience too you know that, that was kind of where my head was at right definitely now i i Jason, I got to ask just because the, the musicology nerd that I am, when I saw the title postcards from the asylum, my brain all automatically went to, I've heard that name before, even though that's odd. And I went and I had to dig around a little bit, but it is the same name as a hellion record from the eighties. Is that where really? you got this or is that? Yeah. There was an album in like 1986, seven, eight, somewhere in there by that band hellion. That was called postcard. I mean, I've heard of that asylum. band, but no, I, my apologies to them. Uh, <laughs> so no, no, know. no crossover. No, it just happened. No, to it, that it way, became huh? kind of apparent. Like when you listen to the only when I finished the record and we had all the lyrics written out and was mm -hmm. kind of proofing it, and, and my wife was kind of looking through them, going like, "I need to get a restraining order. You have serious issues." Like when you started reading <laughs> it, that I was like, "Wow, this really is kind of a." It's a really weird. It's almost a concept record, like a, a, sure. a you know of mental decline of somebody, in many ways. Like if you actually read through it, so postcards from the asylum just came, and it also sounded like it was very uh, analogous to the you know to the songs for the apocalypse, which was the first record. Right. Uh, it just felt like it rolled. So no, there was no Hellion connection, and my apologies to them. I don't know. You need to apologize. I mean, it is. I think after. I think the statue. Well, we have them on the phone right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 No. <laughs> I, I, I can't wait for that lawsuit. Ah, please. No. Somehow, I doubt. I doubt Head, they're worried. Headline about on Blabbermouth tomorrow. Bueller rips off. You know. <laughs> we know a guy. We could get you the trademark. We know. That's right. <laughs> Somehow, I think Hellion will be thrilled that they're being mentioned in any interview in in 2023. <laughs> I, I should be so fortunate that my record does well enough to. Uh, cast a wide net and bring their fans onto their catalog as well there you go perfect <laughs> well well jason um with this record i i know with the last one you released it through frontiers or you i don't know i'm, I'm assuming a distribution deal more or less because just from the conversation we're having i'm assuming it was a distro deal 
This time, unless I'm mistaken, you're self-releasing it or you're releasing it through Bandcamp? Is, is that right? Well, uh, no, I did a distribution deal uh, through a company called Amped, which is like Alliance. They're like the, one of the bigger independent distributors in the country still. Okay. And um, I did a one-off deal with Frontiers. You know, they were great to me. You know, they kind of they wanted they would stretch out. And I kind of was like, guys, like, no disrespect, but like this is not going to be a record full of like you know fast cars and hot chick songs. And, sure. You know, sure, sure. I knew I was going to be the bastard stepchild going into it. But they were actually really cool to me, and it, it opened up a lot of opportunities, but it was a one-off deal. So I knew I was going to kind of move back to this format. And like I said, I had a label for a long time, so kind of new. And also, like, and again, not that people at labels don't have value to add to stuff. I'm just at the point where I don't want to sit in a marketing meeting anymore and mm -hmm. convince anybody of doing anything. And, you know, I don't want to sit there and have a guy go, like, what if he wore a different hat? You know, I, he very well may be right. I've you know, thought I, about I that for you. To, yeah, did you? Thank you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I just don't want to be a part of that stuff anymore. And I mean, not because I know better, just because I just know that I just want to do my thing for better or worse. So, sure. And 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 let's face it, you go to a label like Frontiers, you're always going to be the back burner guy, you know, unless your journey, you know. And 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 that being said, I mean, I love Nick Teeter. I'm, I have a business Great that thing. I do with Johnny Gioelli. So Lord knows I'm, I know the frontiers world well. And, and that being said, that's a tough sell for anybody that didn't sell 30 million records because you that's know, I what I have to say, like, you know, I, and, you know, not to speak out of turn, but we've all heard of some disgruntled people um, sure, sure. that maybe weren't thrilled. I, I didn't have that experience. Nick was awesome to me. I think we did wound up with a great, start for this record i wouldn't be doing wouldn't be in the situation i'm in now to do the next record had they not done such a good job um sure. so yeah i i mean i i i wish because it's so in vogue to just say the label screwed everything up and i hate them and <laughs> right. they know it's just the thing but they didn't for me it wasn't a bad experience i still talk to a few of the guys over there all the time so it's one of those rare i wish i could tell you like we had a you know a bloodletting or something and there was sure. a stabbing and bodies are missing, but it just wasn't not in this particular case. Right. Very good, man. Awesome. Well, well, Jason, you know, outside of the um the the Baron von Bielski orchestra, you you do a ton of shows and, and work with a good friend of mine, Jeff Scott Soto. And I mean, Jeff is like the most awesome guy in the world. He's also yeah. the busiest guy in the world, you know. I mean, that guy's the man in show is. Yeah, that's, I mean, just amazing. It's like every time I talk to him, I joke that I'll talk to him next month with his next project because he's always, right. there's Wet, there's Talisman, there's Soto Solo, there's, you know, I, I always joke between, between him and Mike Portnoy, people are lucky they can even get a job anymore in the music business. <laughs> exactly. It's crazy. But somehow you've wedged a way to cut out some time every year to work with him. Um, I'm assuming, and if I remember right, you, you and he, we're in Talisman together. Is that correct? Way, way back in when years I was, ago? To try to make a long story short, when I was about 18 years old, I played guitar on a demo for somebody that I wasn't really paying attention to. Okay. And Jeff had just left Ingve and was looking for a band. So this bass player sent this, that demo to Jeff. Okay. And Jeff was like, I don't know who, I don't like the bass player, but who's the guitar player? And at that time, you know, Ingve and Randy wrote, that was king of the world. There was sure. no bigger names in rock guitar. So to get a call from Jeff Scott Soto 
at my mom's house was like getting a call from Ronnie James Dio. I mean, I was right. like, what? you know, oh my God. <laughs> and uh, I flew out to LA and, and we worked for a couple of weeks just messing around. And then uh, a few months later, whatever, I got a call from him and Marcel Jacob, who was the bass player in Rising Force, who was just one of the great bass players of all time. Right. And they brought me over to Sweden. And so I wound up touring with them probably on and off for almost a year, like just doing all around, you know, Finland, Norway, Sweden. Um, and that's so, yeah, Jeff gave me my first professional gig. Like Saigon Kick was kind of starting at the time. So when I'd come back, we'd work and do shows and sure. go back and forth. So I've known Jeff since I was literally 18 years old. OK. Um, and wow. uh, and this came about just I wanted to initially go out and just do some songs acoustically because, um, you know, no musician has ever played their songs acoustically live, to my knowledge, prior to my doing so. Um, <laughs> right. Unless I... But I, I thought it'd be a good way to see if the songs worked. You know okay. I mean? For me, it was more like a song research. Like, because if you have a great song, it should work in theory with just an acoustic guitar and the melodies. Sure. And uh, so I went to LA. Jeff wound up coming up and singing a few songs with me. And I was like, oh, this is really fun. And uh, we started doing shows around the country. like, But more from like just a buddy thing. Like, you want to go eat at that sushi place in New York City? We'll play Rockwood Music Hall. We'll stay at that awesome hotel. And right. we'll do the same in Chicago and we'll do the same in Nashville and we'll do the same. And it started and it started taking on a life of its own and it's been selling out all over the place amazingly. And it's become like a half vaudeville, half nonsense, you know, poor man's way into comedy. Uh, when the joke bombs, go, and here's a song you might know. Uh, right. <laughs> well, it's a, it's a fun show. I, I mean, um, yeah, you were you were here in Cleveland, what, five months ago or four months ago yeah, or yeah. something, you know, so it is it's it's. It's not a full musical show. It's it's a show. It's not a concert. That's the way I would put it to explain it to people. It's much more of a show than a concert of here's our next song. Here's our next song. You know, it's yeah, I mean, there's no rules. It's really conversational. Jeff and I probably drink more than we should during the show. <laughs> right. Um, but it, it, you know, it very much responds with how the crowd's feeling and the energy, you know, like the energy in the room. And, you know, it, it just comes from a place of, you know, I, you know, that whole thing is about having fun. One, first and foremost, with my friend. Sure. And then bringing people into that vibe where like, you know, it, it just, I want it to feel like, you know, like a like a beer festival in Germany where there's just a ton of tables. Everyone's having drinks and having fun and conversations. And the song choices are bizarre, as you would know from the, you know, it, sure. it, it makes no sense. It's everything from Dua Lipa to Slayer. Right. To some of the Saigon kicks up some of the stuff from Jeff's catalog. Um and yeah, but it's, you know, it's another thing for me, it's like, it just proves when you do not set out to start a business or yeah. say, here's a way we can go do this show and mm -hmm. make a ton of cash. And what it, it literally came from like, I love that restaurant in Dallas. Right. And let's go have, you know, let's go. And it's just grown into this cool thing now where we're now having a hard time finding all the time to do the shows that are coming in, which is an amazing problem. Yeah, no question. Now, I, I just want to go back just for a second. After after Talisman, when you went to Saigon Kick, did you lose touch with Jeff and rekindle recently, or were you always like we've always kind of stayed always stayed I mean, obviously touch. he's you know like I said I, I was just talking to him twenty minutes ago he's in an airport in Houston on his way to Brazil, <laughs> uh, but we always stayed in touch and always you know he would come to my shows or if I you know or you know I went and saw him in Germany I mean just everything we always kind of stayed in touch I mean that period of time in those first gigs when for me like i was literally like delivering sub sandwiches like you know part-time sure so when you get a gig to go tour uh 
And at that time, I don't know what I was making. I was making like fifteen hundred bucks a week. I didn't have a bill in the world. Right. I, I didn't. Even, I wasn't even legally allowed to drink yet. I was in this magical place of Sweden. It's always going to have this Wizard of Oz memory set to me and the people that were involved in that before all goes to hell and you become and, and Spinal Tap becomes your actual reality when you get right. Back to, you know that that was kind of the magical moment of oh my god, I have like actual cash in my pocket and <laughs> right, and I'm seeing all these different places and stuff. So. Yeah, we've always stayed in touch. And- okay, very cool, man. Well, um, well, Jason, moving back to the to the new release, you you like we said, you have Heathens that's out now that people can check out. It's on all the streaming platforms if you want to get a six song taste. And then the full length record. When does the full length um release uh, postcards from the asylum actually hit for people? It comes out April fourteenth. Okay, that'll be all the CDs and stuff like that on. Bandcamp, what I did was I've been really lucky with a lot of people have been very supportive on that platform, whatever they call it, platform, website. Uh, So we did a limited like uh, run of double red vinyl for all those people. Okay. And then we're doing an indie exclusive for all the indie stores around the country. We're doing a double yellow vinyl and then there'll be double black vinyl. uh, But that obviously will follow a little bit when the vinyl gods decide to manufacture the vinyl. Sure. We'll we'll get that. Is that in Germany? Who who does your who does the vinyl? Is it that place in Germany that the uh, frontiers use? No, no, the, this one's doing. Uh, I did it in Canada, a place called Microform, which oh, seems nice. to be awesome. I mean, so far, they've been great. But that place in uh, Germany that does uh, all the frontier stuff did a great job too. Because we uh, we did a couple Piercy records on there, and I remember we got a some picture or not picture discs, but colored discs from that Germany company. They were pretty cool. I'm surprised, man, because like to be honest, I mean, everyone always yells at me. I don't even own a record player. That's me neither. They send me. I don't want they, one. <laughs> they send me test pressings. I'm like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this. Like, you know, I gotta I, <laughs> I look at it. Work. Same. Same. <laughs> but you know, and I and I think that you know, fifty to maybe seventy five percent of the people that buy it don't even open it. You know, they just mm-hmm. it's a collector's thing. And but hey, man, people, you know, I'm just thankful people are supporting the music and whatever makes them happy. Yeah, absolutely. Now, for for with new music, you know the 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 thought of touring is always there for fa- especially anybody that likes it. Are you planning to get out there now? You've got you know thirty songs. You've got enough to actually go out there and do to do tour with, as well as the Saigon Kick catalog and everything that you've done in between. You know, do you plan to tour, or is that not? in your wheelhouse with, with this project specifically? I definitely want to do the touring part of it, but as anybody who's touring right now knows it, you know, it's, it's not, I want this record, not that it has to, I don't by any means think it's a huge thing, but I want it to be uh, done right. Like the record deserves to be put on in a show the right way. And that's really difficult to do throw and go opening up for somebody else for 45 minutes and like just, on and off. And it's kind of, I, I want to make sure that the, 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 the two records, not that they get both will be fully played because no one has nine hours to sit there, but uh, <laughs> that, that when we do do the show, it's, it, it's the right kind of presentation for the record. Um, you know, uh, and that it's, it's a hundred percent what people would want and, and, and kind of expect from it. Um, okay. So maybe towards the end of the year, we're looking at some stuff and into next year. And uh, but it's just, you know, it's, it's also, I'm really like an asshole. So like, I don't want to play places I don't want to play just to get to the places I do want to play. Sure. I don't want to be stuck on a bus for those three shows that kind of make the operation get to the other three shows that you really want to do, um, which makes me impossible to tour because, you know, you can't take a great band out for three days a week. 
Right. No, it makes a lot of sense, man. Well, dude, I figure we'll, we'll wrap this one up. We'll let people know one more time. It is Postcards from the Asylum coming in April from Jason Beeler and the Baron Von Bielski Orchestra. And if you can't wait till then, which you shouldn't, you should get your taste now. Go online, listen to Heathens. It's a six, six of the songs. So it's about roughly half of half of the record that you can hear now to give you a good taste. And uh, Jason, where should we tell people to go to uh, keep up with you and the eventual tour dates and next well, time my, you run with Soto and all that stuff? My only fan site is, uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I was getting ready to get it. <laughs> uh, I'm Jason Beeler pretty much everywhere. Okay. Um, so Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, I have not yet ventured into the TikTok land because I don't feel like I have a viral dance in me. Uh, to warrant that yet but if i should come up with something that i feel will light those uh socials on fire i'll do it but um yeah so i mean you know pretty much all the typical places okay very cool what about if we if we got a cat to sing one of your songs it'll be bigger than the original i'm sure i assure you that there you go just made your viral video yeah then you'd have your tiktok video with feel free to make a video for me if you'd like i mean now i'll get right on it for you this face ain't gonna blow up any social media we love you man come on nice well jason i figured what we would do is we would we would wrap this up with um with a little taste of the lyric video that you put out for um sick riff um tell us a little bit about this one to kind of wrap this up uh, a friend of mine from England, uh, his name's Tim Fox. He's a, he was kind enough to make a little loop for me for that song. Um, you know, that, that song's kind of a, it's a poor man's mashuga in the sense that it's in a kind of odd circling, circling time signature. Um, and it was just kind of my, uh, lyrically, it's kind of tongue in cheek in the sense, because I was just so tired of hearing every band of my, you know, era, genre, always going like, in this riff, this is our heaviest record yet, you know, like, right. Dude, just make a good record. It doesn't have to be a heavy record, right? <laughs> you know, and, and, and just kind of all that, you know, the riff is sick and the, the, the yeah. so it's kind of more of a tongue in cheek thing, but um, yeah, that's where it came from. Okay. That, very that cool. kind of a, you know, snarkiness. Right. Well, one more time. It is um, postcards from the asylum. It's Jason Beeler and the Baron Von Bielski Orchestra. You're going to get bonus that. points just for saying that so many times. Well, I'm not going <laughs> to lie. I'm not going to lie. It's written down right here okay. on the screen so that I didn't screw it up. That's the whole reason I named it that. To just watch people stumble over it. It's so much fun. <laughs> That's you know, it's funny. I, I was just watching. I, I do a show with uh, Joshua Toomey, uh, the Talk to Me podcast that you did last year, and um, and watching him tongue tie over that i was like i gotta make sure i do not fuck this up uh, you, you've been way too professional for the life of me i have to say <laughs> nice well jason man it's, it's been great catching up with you man people should definitely check out postcards from the asylum as well as heathens out there um between now some of it's out there now some of it will be out there in april and jason thanks so much for joining us here on chris aiken presents thanks Good so to meet you, jason. Me, it's great to meet you buddy tell steven i said hey I will definitely tell him. Best of luck to you, brother. All, All right, right, bro. Take, take care, care man. Thanks.